composing the mind, bringing to one point, like the wandering mind, the scattering thoughts go out all over the place, emotions, and as we get lost in, in feelings, emotions, thinking. So it's one-pointedness, the centering, bringing attention to the here and now, the body in the present, this physical body is like this. It's a way of establishing the awareness, uh, kind of grounding, touching the ground, touching the earth. And like you can float away with your thoughts and travel all over the planet thinking about this and that, but so this touching the earth, re-establishing contact with the with the earth elements, the body, the solid element, water, fire, air, the four elements of that our bodies are made of, earth, fire, water and air. So this intuitive awareness, this ability to to bring, to make conscious the way it is. When, as I said before, not judging the body. You're not making any. There's no need to make uh, to to form any opinions about your own body, but just to fully accept it as it is in the present. This is like touching the earth, grounding yourself being present, being one-pointed. So we use the, these four postures, uh, the, the four postures as a focus for grounding touching earth, reminding ourselves, uh, remembering the present moment, just using the posture, four ordinary postures. And you notice that the, the emphasis is on ordinariness, not on, on an extremity. And Lung Po Cha used to, his words he would use all the time, over and over, were about ordinariness. Uh, rather than extremity. And in the Thai language, because it is a language that's developed through Buddhist uh, contact with Buddhism, the, uh, the word for ordinary, uh, for ordinariness in Thai is what I call dhammada, which is like dhamma, the, the way it is, the ordinariness of life. So they, in Thai language, they just use this tamada, tamada, as just like, just be ordinary, just the usual. <clears throat> but in English, we, we, we oftentimes think the ordinary is kind of uh, not interesting enough. We want extremity, a kind of ext- ecstatic states, or, you know, really, it, we, we think of, Happiness, and we think of bliss as, as an extremity of experience. 
So in meditation, you're, you're bringing the attention to the tamada of the moment. It's not, it's not an extreme moment right now. It's sitting posture, ordinariness, it's like this. Standing, walking, lying down, four ordinary postures. The breath, we're not trying to do special breathing techniques at this time, but just ordinary breathing, the way your body's breathing right now, just being aware of it. Not making it do anything (laughs) that you think you should be breathing like this or like that, but just paying attention to the way the body's breathing right now. The attitude of a kind of relaxed attention and receptivity. These kind of words are, I found helpful because the tendency to say concentrate, when I use the word concentrate, that how I used to, what that would do to, me, to my mind was to kind of bring up this kind of focused intensity which uh, was oftentimes not relaxed at all but a kind of willful uh, kind of fixation on something. So that then just using the language we use has a has tremendous impact on on our conscious experience. Uh, you know how what words uh, how words affect us. And be aware that it, say, uh, or the tone of voice we use. Say, if I give a kind of commanding, uh, a commandment like an imperative, like concentrate your mind, <laughs> that has different effect, doesn't it? Then uh, relaxed attention, expansiveness, a sense of of wide open and of receptive expansiveness is more the, is more useful than, say, focus your attention on the breath. Because the aim is to create this, this this sense of relaxed attention, where we can look at the breath within that perspective uh, of relaxed attention, where the where the breath is in the mind rather than 
than me trying to get my concentration onto my breath at the end of my nose, that kind of thing. I found self-defeating. How could I keep my whole soul attention on the end of my nose for very long? The whole sense of of that that kind of way of thinking I, I didn't find helpful. The ability to listen, the sotavanta, the the one who's capable to listen. Listening is another valuable word, at least I find helpful. And as you just listen right now, you kind of just this sense of listening that that gives a, a this state of attentive awareness. Like you just you're not trying to listen for anything in particular. I listen to just me talking or some something to a particular sound, but the mind is in a state of receptive attention <laughs> and as you relax into this kind of expansive listening you can detect the kind of ringing sound, background ringing, high pitch, gentle, scintillating sound, what they call the, the nada or primordial sound, natural to this moment. So when when you begin to detect this this uh, nada nada is the Pali word for sound. This is pointing to a natural kind of uh, background uh, sound of silence, a kind of silent sound, you know, kind of a oxymoron.
of rigging that is uh, not generally noticed. But as you relax in, in, in this expansive awareness, then it becomes quite clear. And then you know your mind is in a very receptive, relaxed state of being. <coughs> The thinking stops, and as you pay attention to this sound, then uh, then you can just uh, you find you're, you're not thinking; that you're just this this gentle, scintillating, primordial sound of silence. Interesting to, like in uh, every year I give a retreat up in uh, Chiang Mai in Thailand. And this retreat is at a, at a resort up in the mountains, uh, up in the hills outside of Chiang Mai. So it's uh, quite a beautiful spot with a waterfall. And the this sound of the falling water is pervades the area every everywhere. You hear this this water falling, and then the meditation hall is right on the, built right on the river, so that there's the running sound of the running stream, the water flowing, the waterfall. So then sitting there listening to the sound of, uh, of, of water falling, and that is very calming to the mind. Except if you suddenly take aversion to the sound of the falling water. So one time one of the monks that was with me said, I can't practice here because I just hate that sound of the falling water. <laughs> <laughs> He, he had an idea of silence as a, as a kind of total blank and, uh, with no sound whatsoever. And then he would just feel irritated, annoyed with the sound of the waterfall. 
we create that suffering. That's a creation. If you if you surrender to the sound of the waterfall and the flowing stream, the continuous, ongoing, flowing sound, very peaceful. A few years ago, I was giving a retreat in in Spain, and the we went to where in Granada, we went to the Alhambra. And I pointed out that this this magnificent palace, Moorish palace, the Alhambra, was was made so that in every room of this palace you could hear the sound of flowing water. I asked, why is that? And said, because they found that that it calms the mind and uh, people don't tend towards violent acts near waterfalls or the sound of flowing water. Oh, that was interesting when the, the Moors that established... <laughs> Now the, the Moors in Spain were actually very, very civilized. The kind of peak of uh, Islamic uh, civilization. So then in, the, in Chiang Mai, listening to the sound of the waterfall, the, the flowing stream, and the sound of silence. And you think, you think that the sound of the waterfall would blot out the sound, of, you wouldn't be able to hear the, the, the nada sound. But actually, the sound of the waterfall even emp- emphasizes, kind of, the sound of silence is even seems even louder and stronger with the sound of the waterfall. That's interesting. So this is a kind of like an embracing sound. It's like it's infinite. It has no, no boundaries. It's like a, an infinite sound of silence that's expanding forever and ever, going on with no, no limits. And it embraces, it includes the sound of the waterfall, the sound of the stream, the sound of your thoughts. So you, you're beginning to, say, awaken to an, to an unlimitedness, to unconditioned reality that you can completely ignore if, 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 if you don't if you don't uh, pay attention. You just are caught up, wound up in, in, in yourself as a personality and my problems and the world that I have to live in and my relationships and my feelings. And then you, you're wound into a tight little uh, kind of cramped uh, space that, uh, that, that you just feel suffocated and, and oppressed by. But this, this, this gives you a sense of, of this infinity, of no boundary, of immeasurableness, that your consciousness is like this, because this is a conscious, this is through consciousness.
that's important to to notice this, to make a note of it. So you, you, you because uh, we tend to think of ourselves in such limited ways. You know, we define ourselves and bind ourselves to the most oppressive kind of perception sometimes. <clears throat> It is depressing, you know, when you feel bound into the kind of negative, critical, uh, unwholesome views about yourself or the world you live in. It's just uh, very depressing to be stuck in such a, a, a caught in and trapped in, in, in such a miserable place. But it's just through this awareness, uh, this attentiveness, like just waking up, isn't it? Suddenly, it's unlimited. You're not trapped into in a prison cell. You're, you're liberated. You're not just bound by the, the condition of your body or the limitations of it or the mental habits that you've acquired. There's a way, there's an escape from that. There's a way out, there's a freedom, a liberation from those kind of restrictions, those kind of, that kind of bondage. Sometimes it's, it's, some people find it difficult to detect this nada sound. It's called primordial sound, cosmic, all kinds of names for it. Some people call it Krishna's flute. Um, I've even heard interpretations from the Bible that in the beginning was the sound rather than the word. <laughs> you can, these that help you to 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 uh, appreciate this, then. 
and use whatever you find helps you to uh, to give it some significance because it's so easy to overlook and dismiss or just see it as kind of a buzzing uh, that you can that you you don't uh, want to be bothered because it doesn't seem like anything or it, it seems like maybe there's something wrong maybe it's uh, something wrong with you But this is a natural state when the mind is, is in this attentive, open, receptive, then, then this is, uh, this, this not a sound can be recognized. So here in the meditation center, it's where everything is uh, silent and peaceful. But also, I challenge myself to use this practice in the middle of noisy situations. So I can, I can just, just in the middle of total chaos and, and committee meetings where people are losing their tempers and things like this. I go into the, I can still, I can still be with the present moment, be with the scene. It's not like I'm cutting myself off of it, but I'm, con- I'm accepting all that exists in the present by resting in the sound of silence. It's a different perspective than just being caught in reactive, emotional reactivity to, uh, say, unpleasant conditions that are happening. It stops the mind from just being reactive caught in your emotional reactions to what what's happening and what people are saying that has an incredible value and in, in just the, the the movement of life of daily life because it's not dependent on uh, a peaceful quiet meditative environment it'll help you to integrate mindfulness uh, into your ordinary daily life, your office, your home, your family life, and you begin to develop it and trust in it more, it'll stop you from just being uh, caught in emotional reactions and give perspective on that, on that, on how we tend to get stuck in our fears and prejudices and views and so forth. Because in the silence of the mind, these things drop away. The, the power of, of emotional power that will start, you begin to notice it, it kind of falls away then. You're not getting rid of it, it's just naturally... Uh, its nature is to change, and what arises ceases. So it gives this wonderful perspective for the conditioned habits that you have. You begin to have a, a way of of observing the emotional habits you have as they actually are in the present moment.
in Amravati in England, there's a, I have a friend who's a, uh, she's a medical student in London. This young Sri Lankan woman has studied medicine. And uh, she she comes uh, to Amravati every weekend and she goes on meditation retreats. And so she's, and the pressure of medical school is enormous. And she's always, she's always kind of, please pray for my, for my exams on the 23rd. <laughs> I listed it in my diary, my file of fact. So, uh, and I taught her the practice around this sound of silence before she entered medical school. And so, uh, she said, now she gets all kind of wound up and, and uh, pressured and stressed out by, the, by all these examinations she has to take. And, and the social life of medical students and the, everything else, living in, in an exciting city like London, and I, she... So when she gets into these stressed out states, and I say, sound of silence, she learns how to just spend more time in a state of awareness, emptying the mind, letting letting things cease in the mind, letting go, and so that there's then the stressfulness, the kind of intensity of of that comes through this uh, examination, the sense of this these impending examinations, that kind of feeling. I've got to take an examination. Uh, the kind of pressure that, that this kind of gives to the mind. You can begin to recognize this sense of, of being feeling under stress and pressure. And she, she lets it go into this sound of silence. So it just kind of relaxes into this expansive awareness. So, she's doing very well as a medical student, I think. <laughs> and she's a very bright person, but anyway. But, but I wish I'd, I'd learned these kind of things when I was a university student. <laughs> I used to get wound up in a terrible state of anxiety without any any way to deal with it. There, these are the these are the things that I've found most useful. The the uh, bodily awareness, ground the grounding in the present, the the focus on just the posture 
and the sensations of the body, merely using the body as a focus for touching the earth, for grounding myself. The anapanasati, the mindfulness of the breath, And as you develop anapanasati, that gives a kind of sharpness, a concentrated quality of, uh, that's very, uh, like, very useful, very helpful. And then the sound of silence, the nada sound, is a way of reflection. It gives perspective. And it's a way of knowing, of direct knowing. When you, when your mind is in a, sometimes because it's so easy to doubt whether you're doing anything right or whether you're, it's so easy to, to be critical of yourself and get wound up into doubt about your practice. But if you begin to trust more and just your ability to detect this nada. Sustain it for a while, like count to five. With this kind of ringing, scintillating, electric sound or primordial sound. And all these are here and now. This is the way it is in the present. It's the the way things are. Not not in in a, in an absolute. We're not saying an absolute way, but it, in terms of direct knowing in the present. The body is like this. The breath is like this. The sound of silence is like this. So what we're doing is we're really learning to relax with full attention, full awakened awareness in the present. So with the emotions that, that arise during this retreat, uh, you know, like the things that, that will come up for you and kind of ang- worries about your future or 
relationships, family problems, or physical problems, health problems, and so forth, whatever they might be, we're not into suppressing these kind of things, you know, like trying to drive away your worries or to uh, solve all your problems during a retreat. That would ask, be asking too much or just trying to deny it all or get rid of it so you can have a completely peaceful, happy time during this retreat. That won't happen either. But seeing that it's all part of the, the, the practice, the flow of life, the whatever arises for you, like memories of the past or emotional uh, conditions, now you have a way of, of, of kind of totally accepting those feelings. Like I found, say, like, like a, a feeling like anger, a strong feeling like anger arises. I sort of feel, feel this, this, uh, this uh, emotion of anger arising. And then fully uh, feeling it in the body, you can feel it in your kind of guts and this kind of tension in the body, the anger. So you're, you're going to the actual uh, experience of not 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 analyzing it and thinking why am i angry and and uh is it that person's fault because they made me angry and so forth but just going to the experience as it is a physical sensation like this and totally accepting the the, the kind of tensions and and discomfort, uh, physical discomfort that anger brings into the body, and using the sound of silence as a way of embracing those those sensations, because it'll help you to stop thinking and kind of figuring out why you're angry or analyzing yourself. You don't need to know why, just that anger is like this. And And as you kind of embrace that, the feeling of anger in the sound of silence. You begin to see it's a changing vibration. Anger is a changing vibration and it will naturally kind of fade out and cease. So it gives you perspective on, say, emotional experiences without either indulging in that emotion or in, or, uh, Repressing it, the middle way. Now, anger is a fairly strong emotion, easy to see, but there's a lot of subtle kind of feelings that come. This sadness or loneliness or confusion, uncertainty, kind of vague uh, fears, kind of background anxiety or whatever, no matter how strong or how uh, 
subtle your emotions might be, this, this silence will help to give perspective on it, a way of accepting it, noticing, without critical judgments about it, without making an issue of it. As a way of, of releasing yourself from these karmic patterns you've developed, to say around emotional habits, where you, you can wind yourself up and just, you know, be kind of helplessly caught in maybe in, in emotional habits it, that uh, give you a lot of suffering and cause suffering to others. So this is a very skillful way of learning to deal with emotional problems. But not with the attitude of trying to get rid of them, but with this attitude of learning from them, embracing them, understanding dukkha, in order to let go of the causes of suffering. This is, this is the attitude of the Buddha. The Buddha knows the Dhamma, the state of attention, awareness, knowing things as they are. This is Monday, the the first three days of a retreat. They're usually uh, settling in. We're coming from active uh, life that you all lead into a more uh, passive uh, form. So recognize the first three days are usually the, you know, just take, patience and endurance to just get used to the retreat style. I found the first three days, sometimes I used to, when I give retreats, I didn't want to look at anybody the first three days. They all looked so miserable. (laughs) I think... I'd rather not have to see such misery all the time. <laughs> but then uh, after, well, I think just the physically, your body is used to a more active way of, of uh, existing, and there's, there's much more, you know, sitting still for 45 minutes, or like this is over an hour. Body's not usually 
program for that. So it takes a while for the body to kind of adjust itself to to sitting still. And then the noble silence, and then we're used to talking and chatting and expressing ourselves, and then suddenly we are on this silent, noble silence. All these have their effect, but it, it does not, just doesn't kind of, the magic wand suddenly, instantly change you. It takes a while to, to settle into the retreat mode. So now, to see how, how, you know, if you're getting used to this more and more, you'll find uh, a sense of calm and peace and that much more uh, readily available to you. And during this, this retreat, whatever comes up, you know, anger or grief or resentment, a lot of negative states might appear, memories from the past, or rather than see this, this, this is something to, to get rid of. See, it's, it's part of the path. It's learning to, to accept and to uh, let the, and to liberate these mental states through, through just your ability to to embrace and accept what you're feeling, your emotions, just by totally accepting them as they happen to be, the way they happen to be, no matter how unpleasant their quality might be. You're actually liberating them. You'll find as you as you do this, you'll find them, and they're, they're, you're, you're not creating any more karma with them. You're letting them be what they are, and their tendency is to rise up into consciousness. You're no longer now trying to control conscious experience, trying to stop it, you know, stop the bad thoughts from coming and, and uh, control everything, and get, you're trying to stop any kind of negative emotions. You're willing to let them arise, be conscious, arise into consciousness, and then you can let them go because they flow away. It's like they, their movement is flowing away. So that's important to, to recognize that if you are having going through some heavy emotional experiences now, don't think that you're doing something wrong, that somehow you're not meditating in the right way. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's the opportunity for liberating these these. Uh, Prisoners, like 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 inside you is a kind of a prison. You're keeping all these prisoners locked up, and they're trying to get out. But every time they get near the door of consciousness, you slam the door in their face. So they kind of get they kind of get sick and angry inside you, and they're swearing away, and kind of you wonder why your your life is turning so sour. Every time they, they get near the door of consciousness, you slam it in their face again. They, they have no way of getting out. So meditation is like opening the prison doors. Open the door. Let, let, don't control, but let, let them be, let it fear and 
desires and all these things be conscious. And you're liberating them, like an act of compassion, liberating sentient beings from their miserable state. So, what you're conscious of might be miserable, you know, in the condition, the quality of it might be a miserable being. But your attitude towards it is one of compassion and, and liberation. You know, you're freeing it from its misery by totally accepting it, letting it be conscious, and letting it go.